Welcome back to Let Me Be Brief. I'm your co-host, Andy Rieger, as always, joined by my buddy, Matt Basinger of Swell Spark. Hello. We're in the Let It Fly Media studios, and today's show is brought to you by Emprise Bank, member FDIC. Not your typical financial institution, nor do they want to be. We've got a really awesome guest today who is all about finance, so I am absolutely stoked. Amanda Villarreal from Plex Capital. Amanda, welcome to the show. Guys, thank you so much for having me. What Ab- a pleasure. Absolutely, yeah. So let's let's get straight to it. First and foremost, what does your company do? Okay, so we are a factoring company, also known as an accounts receivable finance company. Basically what we do, we take the receivables of businesses in the B2B space and um, expedite payment. So if you are a commercial cleaning company and you're having to wait 30, 60 days to collect from your customer, we're able to pay you the same day that you bill out. And that basically helps you with your cash flow. That's amazing. And so you used a lot of really big words, right? Andy always says he's a finance guy. I'm the fun guy. I throw axes for a living, right? And so you kind of did a, a great job explaining that. But for folks who have no idea what this industry is or does, could you be just a little bit more specific as far as like what, what the data looks like? how it works, how you get into that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, accounts receivable finance has been um, something that a lot of people know about, but in very specific industries, especially transportation. That's actually where I started my career uh, back in 2007. So um, if you own a trucking company and you say, I'm going to go haul for C.H. Robinson, Mm -hmm. well, C.H. Robinson might not pay you the same day but you still have all of these expenses, right? You gotta pay for fuel, um, you gotta pay your driver, maintenance and so on. So instead of waiting the 30 or 45 days that C.H. Robinson might have, you can send the receivable to Plex Capital and Plex Capital can pay you right away as soon as the load gets delivered and we get confirmation. And so that gives you the ability to continue to run as much as you want because now you have the uh, capital. So, so let's talk about a little bit of that. If the business owner that's hearing this and understanding what factoring is, but how you actually execute on it. So do you guys actually then receive the payable or the receivable, I should say in this instance, and, or is it a note technically that has to be paid back? What is it really the mechanism yeah, of it? Yeah. So it's a little bit more um, complicated than that, um, but I'll simplify it. So at the time, let's just say that, Andy, you own a trucking company and I'm using a trucking company. It can be any business. Well, let's that- say our businesses. Let's say, let's say Matt wants to get something from me and, and I say, I'll provide you this service, Matt, and you owe me in 60 days. Sure. So that service, then you're going to generate your invoice. Mm-hmm send it over to him, and then instead of waiting for the 60 days to collect, you're going to send it to me right away as soon as the work has been completed. And so I'm going to give a notice of assignment to you and basically put you a notice that the receivable has been assigned to Plex Capital, and so payment needs to come to Plex Capital. Okay. So I fund you. you so send the accounting the department to has to change where they are sending the money? The remittance. Okay. That and what, what happens if they... Don't remit the payment. Well, uh, typically we try to work with clients of good character. So there's a background check that goes on uh, before we actually establish the account because that does happen once in a while. So we would like to think that we work with uh, people of good character, but sometimes it doesn't go like that. So there is that risk. I mean, it's not it's not necessarily, um, I would say that it, it is a high risk type of business we are in. Actually. So, so, but you're approving more or less the credit, not of the people that engage you, but the people that owe. The people exactly. That you. So we're going to put major emphasis on the um, credit worthiness of our client's customer. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. So to get back into it, how long have you all existed? Uh, and like, how did you end up in this role? 
Yeah. So in 2007, I was given the opportunity to work for a pretty large factoring company that is well known here in Kansas City. I worked with them for about six months and then transitioned on to a startup that was in the same industry. And that startup um, took off. Um, I spent basically 12 years of my career there. Um, I would say that I was one of the first three employees there and wow. the company just took off and we had major, major success. Um, left that company back in 2019, June of 2019. So I had my two year anniversary just a, a few weeks ago. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, um, when I left that company, I said, you know what, I, I did it for someone else. Why not go do it for myself? And um, there were a lot of companies that were reaching out saying, come work with me and, and you know, I'll give you this. And I said, no, I want to roll up my sleeves and I want to do it. Like, I know that I can do it. And so thankfully, I had the financial freedom to do it. And um, alongside with my business partner, Josh Good, uh, we funded the company and wow. founded the company as well. Um, and we started. And yeah. so, yeah, it's been quite fascinating. What has the growth looked like over the last two years? I mean, how many employees do you have? How many did you start with? Uh, what has that kind of two-year startup process been like so far? Yeah, so we officially started the business August of 2019, and uh, we had some challenges to overcome, mm -hmm. and so and then COVID happened, right? Yeah. But COVID actually helped us out a lot because while banks were getting so strict with their lending criteria, there were still a lot of opportunities for new businesses, right? And um, that really helped us out. We actually hit our uh, goals for the year in 2019, I'm sorry, 2020 by June wow. of last year. So, you know, that was awesome. It was that validation that we were waiting for. And then this year we had some aggressive goals for 2021. We did hit our goals in March. And so, and they were aggressive goals. Um, it's been it's been really, really neat just to be able to see um, uh, the growth and, and knowing that it's our company. We are a total of four. So we have two employees and then Josh and myself as well. And we are looking at some aggressive growth um, for the next five years. Yeah. New business acquisition. Uh huh. What is that process truly like? There's obviously the customer component and there's the capital component. You have to have the capital in order to effectively service the customer. What is it like getting a new company to sign up do you give them sort of a limit as to what they can factor with you at one time and have quote unquote, you know, outstanding? How do you really look at not only acquiring, but more or less putting guidelines and restrictions around customers? Yeah, absolutely. So for us, we love working with startups. That mm -hmm. is really where our passion is. Um, I came from extremely humble beginnings and I want to be able to make an impact as much as I can. And so one of our things is really trying to look for those businesses that are um, starting or growing too fast for a bank to support them. Um, and so for me, the biggest thing is just making sure that we're working with companies that will do anywhere between, I mean, there are no minimums. They can start today and, set and have zero invoices right now. Um, and our max will be about half a million dollars a month, basically. Um, that is kind of like our, our max that we feel comfortable uh, having concentrations with clients. But that is all capital, technically, that you have to have outstanding at that moment. Exactly. So if you have 10 clients, that's $5 million max. So then let's talk about that capital raising standpoint. Is this a very attractive bank financing model? Is this a very attractive <laughs> equity model because it's cash in, cash out, and returns are very easily seen? How do you look at the capital raising? It's uh, and you know, it's interesting because that is we're in the in the middle of a uh, capital race right now campaign, and because of the fast growth we've had, so it was easy for Josh and I just to put our initial um, 
funds and say, okay, let's get going, right? And so we did it that we did that for about a year, and then we found a senior lender that was fascinated with the story that we had. We both, Josh and I, grew a um, another finance company, so we took all of that experience and, and we were able to tell the story. Um, and also, it helps that we have personal assets as well. Um, and so we were able to obtain a loan through a senior lender that has been absolutely fantastic to work with. In addition to, um, there is a junior lender as well that is involved. And then typically we go to people that are high net worth and ask them if they if they want to lend to Plex Capital uh, with very attractive returns. So they're all pretty much quasi debt in some way, shape, or form is the capital that's coming in. Exactly. Is the bank debt that's coming in are those? Uh, line of credit type facilities? Are they term debt type facilities? Lines of credit, yeah. Both yeah. the junior and senior lenders. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So it, it is. It's a. That's the the new part for us that we were not involved with um, at the other company, and so you know trying to navigate that has been quite interesting. But that's where the knowledge and the the excitement comes, yeah. and it's pretty fascinating. So two years in, you're getting you're killing your annual goals by the end of the first quarter. Uh, is there kind of a, a a stamp of the type of businesses that you tend to work with the most. You've mentioned trucking, for instance, but you know, is it is it folks in restaurants? Is it people <clears throat> like well, who who are your customers? Yeah, so you know, if you think about any contractor, so you have a lot of subcontractors uh, contracting with uh, G Dunn or companies like that, and we operate nationwide. But I'm using local companies as an sure. example. Um, those are fantastic. They they go take a contract, and as they're billing, um, they're sending the receivable to us. We're able to fund them, and we do that over and over and over again. A commercial cleaning company is also a perfect example. Commer I, I think um, you're familiar with commercial companies. So, um, you know, a company that is doing work at a facility for a month, and they bill at the end of the month, well, now they got to go wait another 30, 45 days. So now mm -hmm. two months have passed by since all the work yep. has been completed. We're able to fund those companies. Um, staffing is huge as well. Um, staffing agencies are one of our favorite ones as well. And they're booming right now. Um, so acquiring new business, you know, obviously the, the economics of this business are, I've got $100,000 of receivables. I want to sell them to you. I would assume that you look at how many days payable, the credit worthiness, and then you say, I'll give you... $98,000 today. I mean, is that sort of the way that it works and you do it on a case-by-case -case basis or is there a formula that you follow? There's a formula. Um, I won't get too specific. Sure. Uh, uh, Give us all of your secrets. <laughs> you want the, the <laughs> recipe? Is that what you're asking for? Uh, no, um, basically there is a formula that we follow and uh, typically with a... Um, with a new client, we're going to look at uh, the contracts between them and their customers. So we need to have a, a really, really good understanding as to why my client is owed money by XYZ company. And so I got to look at the provisions in the agreement and um, really just have a really good understanding. And yeah, typically there's going to be an advance rate of 85, 80, 85, 90%, depending on what it is um, or which industry it is that I'm serving. I'm going to have a little bit more flexibility on the advance rate. And so then when you use advance rate, is that 100% of what would be advanced? Or is that, hey, you still have a little bit of skin in the game once we collect and we'll issue you an extra There's a reserve. Yeah, there's a reserve the that end. goes. Uh, yeah. So it's truly just like lending. Yeah, it is. Loan it value, is. more or but, less. But high risk. I mean, we're, we're not a, a traditional bank, so yeah. <laughs> it's more on the, on the high risk. 
going yeah. back to kind of company growth standpoint. And so you've, you've hit your goals for this year already. You guys are showing incredible promise for continued growth. You're two years into this thing. It seems like you've kind of realized that some of the dreams and hopes and wishes that you had are starting to really come to fruition. Where do you see your company going? Like from a, <clears throat> from a, how many employees do you have by the end of this year or one of next year? Are you hiring yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of talk us through maybe the next couple of well, she's years. She's not hiring herself. <laughs> she already works there. Stop. That is uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave. Okay. So uh, when I got into this business, I'm a, I'm a single mom. I have mm-hmm. a um, officially an 18 year old son and a seven year old son. And um, after leaving corporate America, I knew one thing. I knew that I never wanted to work for anyone else other than a client. And so Josh and I have been working together for now 14 years almost. Wow. And um, he's really, really good with operations, underwriting, all that stuff. And I'm very good with everything that has to do with business development. And so when we got together, we were at a restaurant and we had a napkin and we're like, okay, let's do it, right? We're going to go do it. And the only thing that I said, I'm going to go into it not to have a lifestyle business because I'm not in that. Like, that's not my goal. We're going to go into it and we're going to duplicate what we did for the other company that we were at. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go and grow it. And so my goal, it is to create a company that is not a lifestyle business, but an actual organization that is going to come and make an impact, not only in our community, but nationally. Mm. And so what does that look like? I will say that once we hit the $1 billion mark in sales, I'm going to feel like, okay, that's that's it. And um, I feel that we can probably accomplish that within the next seven to eight years. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as part of that dollar sales goal to get to the next stage, if someone calls you and says, Hey, I'd like to learn more and see if we can work together. Is there sort of a minimum that you're looking at saying, Oh, your invoices are only X on a year. You would only be issuing us 50,000 of receivables, 150,000, whatever that number is. Because earlier you discussed there's an actual, you know, research element to this due diligence, if you will, being semi quasi bank lending. Yeah. Is that ever a factor in it of this just isn't the right thing for us? It's just not worth our company's time really investigating and digging deep. And if so, what sort of is that cutoff level for if businesses are listening to this? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I would suggest that um, you maybe improve with your uh, listening skills. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I did say that. (laughs) Thank you. It is always whenever someone makes fun of Andy with me, I know it's been a great episode. And and Jackie in the room from Emprise Bank is just loving this right now. I'm over here writing notes on a napkin, uh, just I, like you. I couldn't resist. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting, sorry. I love this. This is great. <laughs> my, this is my wife's favorite episode she's ever yeah. heard. <laughs> so, no, I, like I said earlier, we don't have any minimums, and we love starting with uh, I know, startups. You, yeah. I, I know you talked about, you said you don't have minimums, and so I was just trying to dig a little deeper, because certainly, like I was saying, there's a point where due diligence comes in, and you're like, ah. Like, there like, is. like if I call you and said, hey, Matt owes me $1,000, can I factor this? And you're like, I'm going to have to read your contracts over making yeah. a couple hundred bucks, like it's not worth our time. Right. I mean, I think those are just conversations where I don't even invest any more time other than a two minute call. And hey, I'm sorry, like we are not a good fit. Um, but a startup can come to us. And one of the most fascinating stories that I have is, and I'll, and I'll be brief, but um, 
It's the name of the show. It yeah, is. it is. It is. Did you like that? I That's knew that. Good. Yeah. <laughs> it's over my shoulder. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but anyhow, so last year, right before the pandemic, I get a call from uh, Sandra Olivas. From um, She used to be with another bank. And she said, hey, I have this lady who is thinking about opening a staffing agency, but she's she's been to three banks and they said, no, they can't help her out because she's looking for a line of credit. She's going to open a, uh, open up a staffing agency. And I thought about you. Can I send her your way? Sure. Within an hour, the, uh, the prospect um, was in my office and she's like, okay, I've been employed for 17 years at this staffing agency. I know that I can go and do it. I have the contracts. I have everything. And I said, okay, great. Well, let's go ahead and get it together. Within three weeks, she was up and running. She was already staffing people, people that have uh, had lost their jobs through the pandemic, through the shutdown. And we were part of that. Now, fast forward a year later, they have three offices, one in Houston, um, two here in Kansas City, and they're getting ready to open up another one in Orlando. Mm. So those are the stories that I like to tell because she came with like, I think I want to get into the business but I'm not for sure. And I've been to three other banks and no one was able to help me out. But then I found this lady that was connected to Amanda and here I am a year That's later. Awesome. So yeah. Awesome. So you just said three weeks right there. What is your typical turnaround time from the time your phone rings or you guys get an email to then saying, yep, we're working with you. It could be 24 to 48 hours with oh, wow. her it was three weeks because she was just thinking about going into the business. Um, and so it took her a while to get her LLC and everything going. Sure. Um, and I was able to get her connected throughout uh, Kansas City with different uh, organizations that were going to support her as well. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Amanda, I need to start wrapping this up. Otherwise, Andy will continue asking more questions that you because have already he's not answered. Listening. Right? right? Yeah. <laughs> that was taken out of context. It was about the value of due diligence time. But that going, was why I asked it that going way. completely away from business or work, uh, I always like to end with the question, what is the coolest thing you have ever done? With a caveat, you can't talk about family. Uh, like you can't talk about having a kid. Like some, like an experience, right? Yeah. That's the, so I have always considered myself more of a conservative type of person, uh, you know, always watching my image and things like that. And um, so I have a younger brother who is a musician, and one thing that you know about musicians is that they're somewhat not very responsible. They're, they're, they're dreamers, right? And so um, I said, okay, Daniel, let's go to Ireland. Let's go for two weeks. And this was in 2018. And I'm like, I'll, I'll fund the whole thing. You just pay for your flight. That's it. The best thing ever. So if you want to like just go and explore life, go with someone that is going to be extremely irresponsible because I found myself and and it just happened. I don't listen very good. (laughs) That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) But it just happened to be during Oktoberfest, which it was not even planned around Oktoberfest. And we get there that night to Dublin and our hotel happened to be right next to Oktoberfest, not planned at all. And so we're like, okay, well, let's go check it out. And we found ourselves not making it back to the hotel until like the next day at three o'clock in the morning, walking the streets of Dublin. And that's just like a glimpse of what happened. I mean, it was for two weeks, just craziness throughout Ireland. We did a tour for two weeks. So did you do any distillery tours? Oh, yes, we did. So one of the ones that we did was the next day after we arrived. Right. And he was so sick and I had paid for the whole tour experience. And he's like... I can't smell whiskey anymore. Like, this is this is not good. So one of the best experiences, I was able to bond with him and, and get closer. Awesome. 
And again, he's a musician, so every pub we were walking into, he was joining the local uh, bands, and so it was Amanda. it was a blast. That's yeah, awesome. best experience ever. Amanda, thank you so much on, uh, for sharing with us on behalf of Emprise Bank. We really appreciate you spending time along me and dealing with Andy, and maybe over the course of time he will learn to listen better. But we really appreciate um, fine being the scapegoat story. Someone's got to ask the good questions. <laughs> I, I wish continued growth upon your company as well. Thank you. Well, thank you for Thanks, having me. Amanda. Thank you so much. Thanks.